Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Chapter 4 of The Happy Prince and Other Tales by Oscar Wilde. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian. Chapter 4 The Devoted Friend one morning the old water rat put his head out of his hole he had bright beady eyes and stiff grey whiskers and his tail was like a long bit of black india rubber the little ducks were swimming about in the pond looking just like a lot of yellow canaries and their mother who was pure white with real red legs was trying to teach them how to stand on their heads in the water you will never be in the best society unless you can stand on your heads she kept saying to them and every now and then she showed them how it was done but the little ducks paid no attention to her they were so young that they did not know what an advantage it is to be in society at all what disobedient children cried the old water rat they really deserve to be drowned nothing of the kind answered the duck everyone must make a beginning and parents cannot be too patient ah i know nothing about the feelings of parents said the water rat i am not a family man in fact i have never been married and i never intend to be love is all very well in its way but friendship is much higher indeed i know of nothing in the world that is either nobler or rarer than a devoted friendship and what pray is your idea of the duties of a devoted friend asked the green linnet who was sitting in a willow tree hard by and had overheard the conversation yes that is just what i want to know said the duck and she swam away to the end of the pond and stood upon her head in order to give her children a good example what a silly question cried the water rat i should expect my devoted friend to be devoted to me of course and what would you do in return said the little bird swinging upon a silver spray and flapping his tiny wings i don't understand you answered the water rat let me tell you a story on the subject said the linnet is the story about me asked the water rat if so i will listen to it for i am extremely fond of fiction 
it is applicable to you answered the linnet and he flew down and alighting upon the bank he told the story of the devoted friend once upon a time said the linnet there was an honest little fellow named hans was he very distinguished asked the water rat no answered the linnet i don't think he was distinguished at all except for his kind heart and his funny round good-humoured face he lived in a tiny cottage all by himself and every day he worked in his garden in all the countryside there was no garden so lovely as his sweet william grew there and gillyflowers and shepherd's purses and fair maids of france there were damask roses and yellow roses lilac crocuses and gold purple violets and white columbine and lady smock marjoram and wild basil the cowslip and the flower de luce the daffodil and the clove pink bloomed or blossomed in their proper order as the months went by one flower taking another flower's place so that they were always beautiful things to look at and pleasant odours to smell little hans had a great many friends but the most devoted friend of all was big hugh the miller indeed so devoted was the rich miller to little hans that he would never go by his garden without leaning over the wall and plucking a large nosegay or a handful of sweet herbs or filling his pockets with plums and cherries if it was the fruit season real friends should have everything in common the miller used to say and little hans nodded and smiled and felt very proud of having a friend with such noble ideas sometimes indeed the neighbours thought it strange that the rich miller never gave little hans anything in return though he had a hundred sacks of flour stored away in his mill and six milch cows and a large flock of woolly sheep but hans never troubled his head about these things and nothing gave him greater pleasure than to listen to all the wonderful things the miller used to say about the unselfishness of true friendship so little hans worked away in his garden during the spring the summer and the autumn he was very happy but when the winter came and he had no fruit or flowers to bring to the market he suffered a good deal from cold and hunger and often had to go to bed without any supper but a few dried pears or some hard nuts in the winter also he was extremely lonely as the miller never came to see him then there is no good in my going to see little hans as long as the snow lasts the miller used to say to his wife for when people are in trouble they should be left alone and not be bothered by visitors that at least is my idea about friendship and i am sure i am right so i shall wait till the spring comes and then i shall pay him a visit and he will be able to give me a large basket of primroses and that will make him so happy you are certainly very thoughtful about others answered the wife as she sat in her comfortable armchair by the big pinewood fire very thoughtful indeed it is quite a treat to hear you talk about friendship 
i am sure the clergyman himself could not say such beautiful things as you do though he does live in a three-storied house and wear a gold ring on his little finger but could we not ask little hans up here said the miller's youngest son if poor hans is in trouble i will give him half my porridge and show him my white rabbits what a silly boy you are cried the miller i really don't know what is the use of sending you to school you seem not to learn anything why if little hans came up here and saw our warm fire and our good supper and our great cask of red wine he might get envious and envy is a most terrible thing and would spoil anybody's nature i certainly will not allow hans's nature to be spoiled i am his best friend and i will always watch over him and see that he is not led into any temptations besides if hans came here he might ask me to let him have some flour on credit and that i could not do flour is one thing and friendship is another and they should not be confused why the words are spelt differently and mean quite different things everybody can see that how well you talk said the miller's wife pouring herself out a large glass of warm ale really i feel quite drowsy it is just like being in church lots of people act well answered the miller but very few people talk well which shows that talking is much the more difficult thing of the two and much the finer thing also and he looked sternly across the table at his little son who felt so ashamed of himself that he hung his head down and grew quite scarlet and began to cry into his tea however he was so young that you must excuse him is that the end of the story asked the water rat certainly not answered the linnet that is the beginning then you are quite behind the age said the water rat every good story-teller nowadays starts with the end and then goes on to the beginning and concludes with the middle that is the new method i heard all about it the other day from a critic who was walking round the pond with a young man he spoke of the matter at great length and i am sure he must have been right for he had blue spectacles and a bald head and whenever the young man made any remark he always answered pooh but pray go on with your story i like the miller immensely i have all kinds of beautiful sentiments myself so there is a great sympathy between us well said the linnet hopping now on one leg and now on the other as soon as the winter was over and the primroses began to open their pale yellow stars the miller said to his wife that he would go down and see little hans why what a good heart you have cried his wife you are always thinking of others and mind you take the big basket with you for the flowers so the miller tied the sails of the windmill together with a strong iron chain and went down the hill with the basket on his arm good morning little hans said the miller good morning said hans leaning on his spade and smiling from ear to ear and how have you been all the winter said the miller 
well really cried hans it is very good of you to ask very good indeed i am afraid i had rather a hard time of it but now the spring has come and i am quite happy and all my flowers are doing well we often talked of you during the winter hans said the miller and wondered how you were getting on that was kind of you said hans i was half afraid you had forgotten me hans i am surprised at you said the miller friendship never forgets that is the wonderful thing about it but i am afraid you don't understand the poetry of life how lovely your primroses are looking by the by they are certainly very lovely said hans and it is a most lucky thing for me that i have so many i am going to bring them into the market and sell them to the burgomaster's daughter and buy back my wheelbarrow with the money buy back your wheelbarrow you don't mean to say you have sold it what a very stupid thing to do well the fact is said hans that i was obliged to you see the winter was a very bad time for me and i really had no money at all to buy bread with so i first sold the silver buttons off my sunday coat and then i sold my silver chain and then i sold my big pipe and at last i sold my wheelbarrow but i am going to buy them all back again now hans said the miller i will give you my wheelbarrow it is not in very good repair indeed one side is gone and there is something wrong with the wheel spokes but in spite of that i will give it to you i know it is very generous of me and a great many people would think me extremely foolish for parting with it but i am not like the rest of the world i think that generosity is the essence of friendship and besides i have got a new wheelbarrow for myself yes you may set your mind at ease i will give you my wheelbarrow well really that is generous of you said little hans and his funny round face glowed all over with pleasure i can easily put it in repair as i have a plank of wood in the house a plank of wood said the miller why that is just what i want for the roof of my barn there is a very large hole in it and the corn will all get damp if i don't stop it up how lucky you mentioned it it is quite remarkable how one good action always breeds another i have given you my wheelbarrow and now you are going to give me your plank of course the wheelbarrow is worth far more than the plank but true friendship never notices things like that pray get it at once and i will set to work at my barn this very day certainly cried little hans and he ran into the shed and dragged the plank out it is not a very big plank said the miller looking at it and i am afraid that after i have mended my barn roof there won't be any left for you to mend the wheelbarrow with but of course that is not my fault and now as i have given you my wheelbarrow i'm sure you would like to give me some flowers in return here is the basket and mind you fill it quite full quite full said little hans rather sorrowfully for it was really a very big basket and he knew that if he filled it he would have no flowers left for the market and he was very anxious to get his silver buttons back 
well really answered the miller as i have given you my wheelbarrow i don't think that it is much to ask you for a few flowers i may be wrong but i should have thought that friendship true friendship was quite free from selfishness of any kind my dear friend my best friend cried little hans you're welcome to all the flowers in my garden i would much sooner have your good opinion than my silver buttons any day and he ran and plucked all his pretty primroses and filled the miller's basket good-bye little hans said the miller and he went up the hill with the plank on his shoulder and the big basket in his hand good-bye said little hans and he began to dig away quite merrily he was so pleased about the wheelbarrow the next day he was nailing up some honeysuckle against the porch when he heard the miller's voice calling to him from the road so he jumped off the ladder and ran down the garden and looked over the wall there was the miller with a large sack of flour on his back dear little hans said the miller would you mind carrying the sack of flour for me to market oh i am so sorry said hans but i am really very busy to-day i have got all my creepers to nail up and all my flowers to water and all my grass to roll well really said the miller i think that considering that i am going to give you my wheelbarrow it is rather unfriendly of you to refuse oh don't say that cried little hans i wouldn't be unfriendly for the whole world and he ran in for his cap and trudged off with the big sack on his shoulders it was a very hot day and the road was terribly dusty and before hans had reached the sixth milestone he was so tired that he had to sit down and rest however he went on bravely and at last he reached the market after he had waited there some time he sold the sack of flour for a very good price and then he returned home at once for he was afraid that if he stopped too late he might meet some robbers on the way it has certainly been a hard day said little hans to himself as he was going to bed but i am glad i did not refuse the miller for he is my best friend and besides he is going to give me his wheelbarrow early the next morning the miller came down to get the money for his sack of flour but little hans was so tired that he was still in bed upon my word said the miller you are very lazy really considering that i am going to give you my wheelbarrow i think you might work harder idleness is a great sin and i certainly don't like any of my friends to be idle or sluggish you must not mind my speaking quite plainly to you of course i should not dream of doing so if i were not your friend but what is the good of friendship if one cannot say exactly what one means anybody can say charming things and try to please and to flatter but a true friend always says unpleasant things and does not mind giving pain indeed if he is a really true friend he prefers it for he knows that then he is doing good i am very sorry said little hans rubbing his eyes and pulling off his nightcap but i was so tired that i thought i would lie in bed for a little time and listen to the birds singing 
do you know that i always work better after hearing the birds sing well i'm glad of that said the miller clapping little hans on the back for i want you to come up to the mill as soon as you are dressed and mend my barn roof for me poor little hans was very anxious to go and work in his garden for his flowers had not been watered for two days but he did not like to refuse the miller as he was such a good friend to him do you think it would be unfriendly of me if i said i was busy he inquired in a shy and timid voice well really answered the miller i do not think it much to ask of you considering that i am going to give you my wheelbarrow but of course if you refuse i will go and do it myself oh on no account cried little hans and he jumped out of bed and dressed himself and went up to the barn he worked there all day long till sunset and at sunset the miller came to see how he was getting on have you mended the hole in the roof yet little hans cried the miller in a cheery voice it is quite mended answered little hans coming down the ladder ah said the miller there is no work so delightful as the work one does for others it is certainly a great privilege to hear you talk answered little hans sitting down and wiping his forehead a very great privilege but i am afraid i shall never have such beautiful ideas as you have oh they will come to you said the miller but you must take more pains at present you have only the practice of friendship some day you will have the theory also do you really think i shall asked little hans i have no doubt of it answered the miller but now that you have mended the roof you had better go home and rest for i want you to drive my sheep to the mountain to-morrow poor little hans was afraid to say anything to this and early the next morning the miller brought his sheep round to the cottage and hans started off with them to the mountain it took him the whole day to get there and back and when he returned he was so tired that he went off to sleep in his chair and did not wake up till it was broad daylight what a delightful time i shall have in my garden he said and he went to work at once but somehow he was never able to look after his flowers at all for his friend the miller was always coming round and sending him off on long errands or getting him to help at the mill little hans was very much distressed at times as he was afraid his flowers would think he had forgotten them but he consoled himself by the reflection that the miller was his best friend besides he used to say he is going to give me his wheelbarrow and that is an act of pure generosity so little hans worked away for the miller and the miller said all kinds of beautiful things about friendship which hans took down in a notebook and used to read over at night for he was a very good scholar now it happened that one evening little hans was sitting by his fireside when a loud rap came at the door it was a very wild night and the wind was blowing and roaring round the house so terribly that at first he thought it was merely the storm but a second rap came and then a third louder than either of the others it is some poor traveller said little hans to himself and he ran to the door 
there stood the miller with a lantern in one hand and a big stick in the other dear little hans cried the miller i am in great trouble my little boy has fallen off a ladder and hurt himself and i am going for the doctor but he lives so far away and it is such a bad night that it has just occurred to me that it would be much better if you went instead of me you know i am going to give you my wheelbarrow and so it is only fair that you should do something for me in return certainly cried little hans i take it quite as a compliment your coming to me and i will start off at once but you must lend me your lantern as the night is so dark that i am afraid i might fall into the ditch i am very sorry answered the miller but it is my new lantern and it would be a great loss to me if anything happened to it well never mind i will do without it cried little hans and he took down his great fur coat and his warm scarlet cap and tied a muffler round his throat and started off what a dreadful storm it was the night was so black that little hans could hardly see and the wind was so strong that he could scarcely stand however he was very courageous and after he had been walking about three hours he arrived at the doctor's house and knocked at the door who is there cried the doctor putting his head out of his bedroom window little hans doctor what do you want little hans the miller's son has fallen from a ladder and has hurt himself and the miller wants you to come at once all right said the doctor and he ordered his horse and his big boots and his lantern and came downstairs and rode off in the direction of the miller's house little hans trudging behind him but the storm grew worse and worse and the rain fell in torrents and little hans could not see where he was going or keep up with the horse at last he lost his way and wandered off on the moor which was a very dangerous place as it was full of deep holes and there poor little hans was drowned his body was found the next day by some goatherds floating in a great pool of water and was brought back by them to the cottage everybody went to little hans's funeral as he was so popular and the miller was the chief mourner as i was his best friend said the miller it's only fair that i should have the best place so he walked at the head of the procession in a long black cloak and every now and then he wiped his eyes with a big pocket-handkerchief little hans is certainly a great loss to everyone said the blacksmith when the funeral was over and they were all seated comfortably in the inn drinking spiced wine and eating sweet cakes a great loss to me at any rate answered the miller why i had as good as given him my wheelbarrow and now i really don't know what to do with it it is very much in my way at home and it is in such bad repair that i could not get anything for it if i sold it i will certainly take care not to give away anything again one always suffers for being generous well said the water rat after a long pause well that is the end said the linnet but what became of the miller asked the water rat oh i really don't know replied the linnet 
and i am sure that i don't care it is quite evident then that you have no sympathy in your nature said the water rat i am afraid you don't quite see the moral of the story remarked the linnet the what screamed the water rat the moral do you mean to say that the story has a moral certainly said the linnet well really said the water rat in a very angry manner i think you should have told me that before you began if you had done so i certainly would not have listened to you in fact i should have said pooh like the critic however i can say it now so he shouted out pooh at the top of his voice gave a whisk with his tail and went back into his hole and how do you like the water rat asked the duck who came paddling up some minutes afterwards he has a great many good points but for my own part i have a mother's feelings and i can never look at a confirmed bachelor without the tears coming into my eyes i am rather afraid that i have annoyed him answered the linnet the fact is that i told him a story with a moral ah that is always a very dangerous thing to do said the duck and i quite agree with her End of the Devoted Friend Chapter 5 of The Happy Prince and Other Tales by Oscar Wilde This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Noel Badrian Chapter 5 The Remarkable Rocket The King's son was going to be married so there were great general rejoicings he had waited a whole year for his bride and at last she had arrived she was a russian princess and had driven all the way from finland in a sledge drawn by six reindeer the sledge was shaped like a great golden swan and between the swan's wings lay the little princess herself her long ermine cloak reached right down to her feet on her head was a tiny cap of silver tissue and she was as pale as the snow palace in which she had always lived so pale was she that as she drove through the streets all the people wondered she is like a white rose they cried and they threw down flowers on her from the balconies at the gate of the castle the prince was waiting to receive her he had dreamy violet eyes and his hair was like fine gold when he saw her he sank upon one knee and kissed her hand your picture was beautiful he murmured but you are more beautiful than your picture and the little princess blushed she was like a white rose before said a young page to his neighbour but she is like a red rose now and the whole court was delighted for the next three days everybody went about saying white rose red rose red rose white rose and the king gave orders that the page's salary was to be doubled as he received no salary at all this was not of much use to him but it was considered a great honour and was duly published in the court gazette when the three days were over the marriage was celebrated 
it was a magnificent ceremony and the bride and groom walked hand in hand under a canopy of purple velvet embroidered with little pearls then there was a state banquet which lasted for five hours the prince and princess sat at the top of the great hall and drank out of a cup of clear crystal only true lovers could drink out of this cup for if false lips touched it it grew grey and dull and cloudy it is quite clear that they love each other said the little page as clear as crystal and the king doubled his salary a second time what an honour cried all the courtiers after the banquet there was to be a ball the bride and bridegroom were to dance the rose dance together and the king had promised to play the flute he played very badly but no one had ever dared to tell him so because he was the king indeed he only knew two airs and was never quite certain which one he was playing but it made no matter for whatever he did everybody cried out charming charming the last item on the programme was a grand display of fireworks to be let off exactly at midnight the little princess had never seen fireworks in her life so the king had given orders that the royal pyrotechnist should be in attendance on the day of her marriage what are fireworks like she had asked the prince one morning as she was walking on the terrace they are like the aurora borealis said the king who always answered questions that were addressed to other people only much more natural i prefer them to stars myself as you always know when they are going to appear and they are as delightful as my own flute playing you must certainly see them so at the end of the king's garden a great stand had been set up and as soon as the royal pyrotechnist had put everything in its proper place the fireworks began to talk to each other the world is certainly very beautiful cried a little squib just look at those yellow tulips why if they were real crackers they could not be lovelier i am very glad i have travelled travel improves the mind wonderfully and does away with all one's prejudices the king's garden is not the world you foolish squib said a big roman candle the world is an enormous place and it would take you three days to see it thoroughly any place you love is the world to you exclaimed a pensive catherine wheel who had been attached to an old deal box in early life and prided herself on her broken heart but love is not fashionable any more the poets have killed it they wrote so much about it that nobody believed them and i am not surprised true love suffers and is silent i remember myself once but it is no matter now romance is a thing of the past nonsense said the roman candle romance never dies it is like the moon and lives forever the bride and bridegroom for instance love each other very dearly i heard all about them this morning from a brown paper cartridge who happened to be staying in the same drawer as myself and knew the latest court news but the catherine wheel shook her head romance is dead 
romance is dead romance is dead she murmured she was one of those people who think that if you say the same thing over and over a great many times it becomes true in the end suddenly a sharp dry cough was heard and they all looked round it came from a tall supercilious looking rocket who was tied to the end of a long stick he always coughed before he made any observation so as to attract attention ahem ahem he said and everybody listened except the poor catherine wheel who was still shaking her head and murmuring romance is dead order order cried out a cracker he was something of a politician and had always taken a prominent part in the local elections so he knew the proper parliamentary expressions to use quite dead whispered the catherine wheel and she went off to sleep as soon as there was perfect silence the rocket coughed a third time and began he spoke with a very slow distinct voice as if he was dictating his memoirs and always looked over the shoulder of the person to whom he was talking in fact he had a most distinguished manner how fortunate it is for the king's son he remarked that he is to be married on the very day on which i am to be let off really if it had been arranged beforehand it could not have turned out better for him but princes are always lucky dear me said the little squib i thought it was quite the other way and that we were to be let off in the prince's honour it may be so with you he answered indeed i have no doubt that it is but with me it is different i am a very remarkable rocket and come of remarkable parents my mother was the most celebrated catherine wheel of her day and was renowned for her graceful dancing when she made her great public appearance she spun round nineteen times before she went out and each time that she did so she threw into the air seven pink stars she was three feet and a half in diameter and made of the very best gunpowder my father was a rocket like myself and of french extraction he flew so high that the people were afraid that he would never come down again he did though for he was of a kindly disposition and he made a most brilliant descent in a shower of golden rain the newspapers wrote about his performance in very flattering terms indeed the court gazette called him a triumph of pyrotechnic art pyrotechnic pyrotechnic you mean said a bengal light i know it is pyrotechnic for i saw it written on my own canister well i said pylotechnic answered the rocket in a severe tone of voice and the bengal light felt so crushed that he began at once to bully the little squibs in order to show that he was still a person of some importance i was saying continued the rocket i was saying what was i saying you were talking about yourself replied the roman candle of course i knew i was discussing some interesting subject when i was so rudely interrupted i hate rudeness and bad manners of every kind for i am extremely sensitive no one in the whole world is so sensitive as i am i am quite sure of that 
what is a sensitive person said the cracker to the roman candle a person who because he has corns himself always treads on other people's toes answered the roman candle in a low whisper and the cracker nearly exploded with laughter pray what are you laughing at inquired the rocket i am not laughing i am laughing because i am happy replied the cracker that is a very selfish reason said the rocket angrily what right have you to be happy you should be thinking about others in fact you should be thinking about me i am always thinking about myself and i expect everybody else to do the same that is what is called sympathy it is a beautiful virtue and i possess it in a high degree suppose for instance anything happened to me tonight what a misfortune that would be for everyone the prince and princess would never be happy again their whole married life would be spoiled and as for the king i know he would not get over it really when i begin to reflect on the importance of my position i am almost moved to tears if you want to give pleasure to others cried the roman candle you had better keep yourself dry certainly exclaimed the bengal light who was now in better spirits that is only common sense common sense indeed said the rocket indignantly you forget that i am very uncommon and very remarkable why anybody can have common sense provided that they have no imagination but i have imagination for i never think of things as they really are i always think of them as being quite different as for keeping myself dry there is evidently no one here who can at all appreciate an emotional nature fortunately for myself i don't care the only thing that sustains one through life is the consciousness of the immense inferiority of everybody else and this is a feeling that i have always cultivated but none of you have any hearts here you are laughing and making merry just as if the prince and princess had not just been married well really exclaimed a small fire balloon why not it is a most joyful occasion and when i soar up into the air i intend to tell the stars all about it you will see them twinkle when i talk to them about the pretty bride ah what a trivial view of life said the rocket but it is only what i expected there is nothing in you you are hollow and empty why perhaps the prince and princess may go to live in a country where there is a deep river and perhaps they may have one only son a little fair-haired boy with violet eyes like the prince himself and perhaps some day he may go out to walk with his nurse and perhaps the nurse may go to sleep under a great elder tree and perhaps the little boy may fall into the deep river and be drowned what a terrible misfortune poor people to lose their only son it is really too dreadful i shall never get over it but they have not lost their only son said the roman candle no misfortune has happened to them at all i never said that they had replied the rocket i said that they might if they had lost their only son there would be no use in saying anything more about the matter i hate people who cry over spilt milk 
but when I think that they might lose their only son, I certainly am very much affected. You certainly are, cried the Bengal light. In fact, you are the most affected person I ever met. You are the rudest person I ever met, said the rocket, and you cannot understand my friendship for the prince. Why, you don't even know him, growled the Roman candle. I never said I knew him, answered the rocket. I dare say that if I knew him, I should not be his friend at all. It is a very dangerous thing to know one's friends. You had really better keep yourself dry, said the fire balloon. That is the important thing. Very important for you, I have no doubt, answered the rocket, but I shall weep if I choose. And he actually burst into real tears, which flowed down his stick like raindrops, and nearly drowned two little beetles who were just thinking of setting up house together and were looking for a nice dry spot to live in. He must have a truly romantic nature, said the Catherine Wheel, for he weeps when there is nothing at all to weep about. And she heaved a deep sigh and thought about the deal box. But the Roman candle and the Bengal light were quite indignant and kept saying, Humbug! Humbug! at the top of their voices. They were extremely practical, and whenever they objected to anything, they called it humbug. Then the moon rose like a wonderful silver shield, and the stars began to shine, and a sound of music came from the palace. The prince and princess were leading the dance. They danced so beautifully that the tall white lilies peeped in at the window and watched them, and the great red poppies nodded their heads and beat time. Then ten o'clock struck, and then eleven, and then twelve and at the last stroke of midnight everyone came out on the terrace, and the king sent for the royal pyrotechnist. Let the fireworks begin, said the king, and the royal pyrotechnist made a low bow and marched down to the end of the garden. He had six attendants with him, each of whom carried a lighted torch at the end of a long pole. It was certainly a magnificent display. Whiz, whiz, went the Catherine wheel, as she spun round and round. Boom, boom, went the Roman candle. Then the squibs danced all over the place, and the Bengal lights made everything look scarlet. Goodbye, cried the fire balloon, as he soared away, dropping tiny blue sparks. Bang, bang, answered the crackers, who were enjoying themselves immensely. Everyone was a great success except the remarkable rocket. He was so damp with crying that he could not go off at all. The best thing in him was the gunpowder, and that was so wet with tears that it was of no use. All his poor relations, to whom he would never speak except with a sneer, shot up into the sky like wonderful golden flowers with blossoms of fire. Huzzah! Huzzah! cried the court and the little princess laughed with pleasure. I suppose they are reserving me for some grand occasion, said the rocket. No doubt that is what it means, and he looked more supercilious than ever. The next day the workmen came to put everything tidy. This is evidently a deputation, said the rocket. 
I will receive them with becoming dignity. So he put his nose in the air and began to frown severely, as if he were thinking about some very important subject. But they took no notice of him at all till they were just going away. Then one of them caught sight of him. Hello, he cried, what a bad rocket, and he threw him over the wall into the ditch. Bad rocket, bad rocket, he said as he whirled through the air. Impossible, grand rocket, that is what the man said. Bad and grand sound very much the same, indeed they often are the same, and he fell into the mud. It is not comfortable here, he remarked, but no doubt it is some fashionable watering place, and they have sent me away to recruit my health. My nerves are certainly very much shattered, and I require rest. Then a little frog, with bright jewelled eyes and a green mottled coat, swam up to him. A new arrival, I see, said the frog. Well, after all, there is nothing like mud. Give me rainy weather in a ditch, and I am quite happy. Do you think it will be a wet afternoon? I'm sure I hope so, but the sky is quite blue and cloudless. What a pity. Ahem, ahem, said the rocket, and he began to cough. What a delightful voice you have, cried the frog. Really, it is quite like a croak, and croaking is, of course, the most musical sound in the world. You will hear our glee club this evening. We sit in the old duck pond close by the farmer's house, and as soon as the moon rises, we begin. It is so entrancing that everybody lies awake to listen to us. In fact, it was only yesterday that I heard the farmer's wife say to her mother that she could not get a wink of sleep at night on account of us. It is most gratifying to find oneself so popular. Ahem, ahem, said the rocket angrily. He was very much annoyed that he could not get a word in. A delightful voice, certainly, continued the frog. I hope you will come over to the duck pond. I am off to look for my daughters. I have six beautiful daughters, and I am so afraid the pike may meet them. He is a perfect monster, and would have no hesitation in breakfasting off them. Well, good-bye. I have enjoyed our conversation very much, I assure you. Conversation, indeed, said the rocket. You have talked the whole time yourself. That is not conversation. Somebody must listen, answered the frog, and I like to do all the talking myself. It saves time and prevents arguments. But I like arguments, said the rocket. I hope not, said the frog complacently. Arguments are extremely vulgar, for everybody in good society holds exactly the same opinions. Goodbye a second time. I see my daughters in the distance and the little frog swam away. "'You are a very irritating person,' said the rocket, "'and very ill-bred. I hate people who talk about themselves, as you do, when one wants to talk about oneself, as I do. It is what I call selfishness, and selfishness is a most detestable thing, especially to anyone of my temperament, for I am well known for my sympathetic nature. In fact, you should take example by me.' You could not possibly have a better model. Now that you have the chance, you had better avail yourself of it, for I am going back to court almost immediately. I am a great favourite at court. In fact, the prince and princess were married yesterday in my honour. 
of course you know nothing of these matters for you are a provincial there is no good talking to him said a dragonfly who was sitting on top of a large brown bulrush no good at all for he has gone away well that is his loss not mine answered the rocket i am not going to stop talking to him merely because he pays no attention i like hearing myself talk it is one of my greatest pleasures i often have long conversations all by myself and i am so clever that sometimes i don't understand a single word of what i am saying then you should certainly lecture on philosophy said the dragonfly and he spread a pair of lovely gauzy wings and soared away into the sky how very silly of him not to stay here said the rocket i am sure that he has not often got such a chance of improving his mind however i don't care a bit genius like mine is sure to be appreciated some day and he sank down a little deeper into the mud after some time a large white duck swam up to him she had yellow legs and webbed feet and was considered a great beauty on account of her waddle quack 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 she said what a curious shape you are may i ask were you born like that or is it the result of an accident it is quite evident that you have always lived in the country answered the rocket otherwise you would know who i am however i excuse your ignorance it would be unfair to expect other people to be as remarkable as oneself you will no doubt be surprised to hear that i can fly up into the sky and come down in a shower of golden rain i don't think much of that said the duck as i cannot see what use it is to any one now if you could plough the fields like the ox or draw a cart like the horse or look after the sheep like the collie dog that would be something my good creature cried the rocket in a very haughty tone of voice i see that you belong to the lower orders a person of my position is never useful we have certain accomplishments and that is more than sufficient i have no sympathy myself with industry of any kind least of all with such industries as you seem to recommend indeed i have always been of opinion that hard work is simply the refuge of people who have nothing whatever to do well well said the duck who was of a very peaceable disposition and never quarrelled with any one everybody has different tastes i hope at any rate that you are going to take up your residence here oh dear no cried the rocket i am merely a visitor a distinguished visitor the fact is that i find this place rather tedious there is neither society here nor solitude in fact it is essentially suburban i shall probably go back to court for i know that i am destined to make a sensation in the world i had thoughts of entering public life once myself remarked the duck there are so many things that need reforming indeed i took the chair at a meeting some time ago and we passed resolutions condemning everything that we did not like however they did not seem to have much effect now i go in for domesticity and look after my family i am made for public life said the rocket 
and so are all my relations, even the humblest of them. Whenever we appear, we excite great attention. I have not actually appeared myself, but when I do so, it will be a magnificent sight. As for domesticity, it ages one rapidly, and distracts one's mind from higher things. Ah, the higher things of life, how fine they are, said the duck, and that reminds me how hungry I feel, and she swam away down the stream saying, quack, quack, quack. Come back, come back, screamed the rocket, I have a great deal to say to you but the duck paid no attention to him. I am glad that she has gone, he said to himself. She has a decidedly middle-class mind, and he sank a little deeper still into the mud, and began to think about the loneliness of genius, when suddenly two little boys in white smocks came running down the bank with a kettle and some faggots. This must be the deputation, said the rocket, and he tried to look very dignified. Hello, cried one of the boys, look at this old stick, I wonder how it came here, and he picked the rocket out of the ditch. Old stick, said the rocket, impossible, gold stick, that is what he said, gold stick is very complimentary, in fact he mistakes me for one of the court dignitaries. Let us put it into the fire, said the other boy, it will help to boil the kettle. So they piled the faggots together, and put the rocket on top, and lit the fire. This is magnificent, cried the rocket. They are going to let me off in broad daylight, so that everyone can see me. We will go to sleep now, they said, and when we wake up the kettle will be boiled. And they lay down on the grass, and shut their eyes. The rocket was very damp, so he took a long time to burn. At last, however, the fire caught him. Now I am going off, he cried, and he made himself very stiff and straight. I know I shall go much higher than the stars, much higher than the moon, much higher than the sun. In fact, I shall go so high that fizz, 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 and he went straight up into the air. Delightful, he cried, I shall go on like this forever. What a success I am but nobody saw him. Then he began to feel a curious tingling sensation all over him. Now I am going to explode, he cried. I shall set the whole world on fire, and make such a noise that nobody will talk about anything else for a whole year. And he certainly did explode. Bang, 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 went the gunpowder. There was no doubt about it. But nobody heard him, not even the two little boys, for they were sound asleep. Then all that was left of him was the stick, and this fell down on the back of a goose who was taking a walk by the side of the ditch. Good heavens, cried the goose, it is going to rain sticks, and she rushed into the water. I knew I should create a great sensation, gasped the rocket, and he went out. End of the Remarkable Rocket and End of the Happy Prince and Other Tales by Oscar Wilde Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.